Hey everyone and welcome to Mental Health Uncorked. I'm Ashley T and I'm here with my good friend Dr. G. Hey girl, how are you? Hey, hey. It is so good to see your face. You too, man. This oh. is going to be a fun episode. I know. I'm so, so pumped to be here. Before we get started today though, we both, as you guys know, are both licensed mental health clinicians and we want you to know that this podcast is not meant to replace going to therapy. We're huge advocates for making sure especially now with pandemic more than ever that you are taking care of your mental health with a professional. Also side note that this podcast contains some serious content and language that might not be suitable for children. And it, we're kind of tackling a pretty serious issue today. Uh, we are going to be tackling identity and what that means. And in saying that, I am so excited to welcome my very, very good friend, Dr. Amy, today. She is our first guest on the show. We're so pumped to have you, Amy. A little bit about Amy. I met Amy in my doctorate program, so she is also a doctor of social work. She is a wife, a mother, a professor, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a founder and creator of Game Over Concepts, which is a, an amazing program for uh, college athletes. And we are so excited to have you. Thanks for being here, Amy. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. I am Amy. oozing with excitement. I, don't, I wish listeners could see us sometimes, but I have already said this to these ladies. I am surrounded by doctors tonight, and I feel so smart and yet so dumb <laughs> at the same time. And I cannot wait to tackle this topic with these two. It's going to be so fun. It's a good one. But, uh, yeah. So Amy is joining us today because Amy is one of the most interesting people that I know. She is one of the strongest people that I know. And we invited her because she has a beautiful story of identity and growing and learning about herself and I think with all the madness that's going on in the world it is so important to talk about this right now. So Amy I'm kind of gonna start with you. Can you start from the beginning and tell us a little bit about where your story starts and go from there. What's <laughs> um, about your life girl? Yeah I mean well goodness my story. Um well, you, as you guys both know, I was adopted. I was adopted as an infant. I was 13 days old. Um, and that story has kind of changed in the last uh, couple years because um, I totally have stuck out and met my biological family. Um, I didn't really know, I guess, where my story started. I knew bits and pieces, but I've figured that out along this process in the last couple years. Um, and I'm into my mid thirties. So, um, that's kind of the identity thing that we're talking about. So, um, and I should disclaim that this is my own story. And so, you know, it's everybody's, every adoption story is very, very different. And, um, this was kind of, I know that you, we've talked about that you've asked me about just how my identity has been influenced growing up and, that's kind of something that um, I, I don't know if it was necessarily influenced growing up and I didn't realize it until I started going through this process and that there was all these subconscious things that I hadn't really set forth and suck out yet. So um, that's kind of like the gist of it, but I know, you know, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that, but um, yeah. So, to kind of get it started too, because people can't see you and I think yeah. that's an important part of oh, right. what we're talking about. 
Yes, Can you tell right. us a little bit about uh, your race and ethnicity and, and how you identify? Sure. Well, that's, that's exactly it. Uh, I'm of mixed race. So I actually didn't, I did ancestry testing literally a couple months ago. Um, I did the 23andMe testing and it was about six pages long. Um, and so that's the whole thing. I, as a mixed race individual, um, I don't know if I've ever identified with one side or the other. Um, the term mixed race, multiracial, biracial, um, I'm not even sure I would even call myself biracial anymore um, because of that. So I, yeah, I, 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 I'm a mixed girl. Yeah. And so in high school, they actually used to call me a Smurf because everybody always wants to know what you are when you're a mixed person. And so they just be like, she's a Smurf. Let's move on. Wow. <laughs> people are mean what does that even mean (laughs) at the time it seemed like a term of endearment but now you can't say that yeah I guess it doesn't really even make sense but (laughs) she's blue yeah Yeah. so So, you are you identify as multiracial yeah and again people can't see so we're painting a picture of what your family makeup looks like. Can you tell us a little bit about the race or ethnicity that your adoptive parents, who you identify as your parents? Yeah, so those are my parents. Uh, I identify as them. We have a great, amazing relationship. Um, You know, not in high school, but nobody does. Um, I I was raised by two very, sorry parents, but very, very white, white parents. Um, So, and then as come to find out, my um, biological mother is, well, she's, looks like Barbie. She's blonde hair, blue eyed. Um, and again, you, you guys can't see me, but I have tan skin, but then the same time her and I look a lot alike. Um, and my biological father and I have the same, uh, skin tone. So, um, another thing that throws people off is, um, I am mostly on my side, my black side, I guess you could say I am mostly, um, it, on that side, I, I actually have all these freckles. And so people always ask, why I have all these freckles if I'm black. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, two white parents, another white one in there, and then another black one. So, and then my husband is also multiracial. So, um, our, our little, little guy has come out to be all sorts of colors. Wow. What I'm going like? to say this now. I'm sorry, Gina, that I keep cutting you off. I'm going to say this now. I am not naive yet forever dumbfounded by stupid shit that people say <laughs> and the fact that they feel as though people want to hear it. Yeah. I, as, a, as a therapist, I am dumbfounded at the lack of social skills that our country has in general. Yeah. But yeah. as you tell your story, I'm going to say that again, I think. <laughs> you know, I, Ashley brings such a good point up because as I'm talking about my story, I, it's so, because I know I'm on a pad, podcast, I'm being, trying to be so PC about it. Sure. Or if I'm talking just with amongst my family or amongst my husband's family, we're probably not so PC. And right. yeah, you know, and so it is, but, and it's just because that is exactly why we, bec- you become not so politically correct about it in your families because you have to joke about it and you have to kind of joke about the ignorance that people have thrown at you your entire life so do you joke about it to feel better about it no um not as much anymore i think at 
some point in your life, everybody jokes about it to feel better about it. But I think you just joke about it because it's just so unbelievable that in yeah. 2020 that we're still worried about this problem, you know, we're worried about the fact that people don't understand how people turn out to be mixed race humans. So yeah, right. it's, yeah, exactly. I would never think to ask somebody why they have freckles. That would not be something that would come, like, I would never look at a person and say, yeah. why do you have so many freckles? Because obviously you can determine how many freckles you have when you're born. That's your God-given right to determine what your face or skin tone is. So I'm going to ask you why you have them and yeah, expect yeah. you, Dr. Amy, to tell me exactly why your skin has, like, that just seems so ignorant to me. I, another thing that I have talked about with you guys is just because my son, um, a lot, a lot of times mixed race kids will go kind of like through changes. They'll be really light or their hair might be, and then they might change and then they'll change again. And as an infant into his being a toddler, he had very, very light, fine blonde hair. And we have had people stop us in the grocery stores and, or even touch his head, pat him on the head. Um, just saying how cute he is because uh, and it, it just goes along with like the confusion of what you are basically. So what, what do you identify as? And truthfully for me, it doesn't, identity is not something I'm very uncomfortable now. I mean, now I probably wouldn't have said that when I was 17, I'm very comfortable with all of that, but you know, obviously the world still is very, very uncomfortable and you know, maybe even more so the United States, obviously, but that's sure. something that, you know, it's just unbelievable to me that we're still there and that it's okay to touch somebody's kid in the grocery store. Ew. Right. I just went to this place of like, what if your child had a traumatic experience and a stranger comes up to them, not knowing that patting them on the head, because that's also something that I find to be inappropriate to get in anyone's bubble, especially of child's yeah. um, that you don't know and how that may affect them. I'm sure I'm thinking that maybe because of my own chosen profession, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not common things for people to think about. I think about um, the students that I had when I worked in the school setting and this emphasis on um, the black community and hair and I didn't know that that topic was so sensitive. And I worked in a district with um, several black students and my little girls that would come in, I always found their hair to be beautiful. And in my, I'm white in my community, I spent a lot of money on my hair. And I like when I get compliments on my hair because I get it done every four weeks, I spend a lot of money on my hair. And so when somebody says, I like your hair or they touch my hair, I like that. I didn't. I was ignorant to think that that may be offensive. And I would think about the students that I had and how I would touch their hair or when I would hug them because I hugged a lot of my students, that's just, they had that relationship with me that would happen. And when I reflected on it, I thought I need to find each and every one of them and apologize now because I didn't realize that that was offensive. Um, so I suppose even though, look at I'm working through an issue right now, this episode isn't even about me. Um, <laughs> this no. happens every yeah, time. No. Uh, it brings up a lot of things. So yeah, we can all be ignorant at some point in time. <laughs> uh, well, you, that's funny you say that about hair, because I don't have the quote-unquote black girl hair. Hair. I I don't have white girl hair either. I just I have Amy hair. That's what we always say. But um, the black community would identify me as having the good hair because I don't 
have to do a whole lot to it. And hence, you know, how, when you become a mom, it goes in the bun anyways. But um, yeah, so that's all, that's always a subject that comes up on both sides is hair. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It is. Yeah. It's a big deal though. And yeah, I mean, we all spend a lot of money on a hair. So mm -hmm. yep. It's true. As, a, as a kid, when that happened to your son in the grocery store, he was obviously pretty young, but what was his reaction to that? You know, he was too young. I can only really think of a time that he was so young. I'm talking like 18 months or so. Oh, and yeah. he's a very social kid. He's very verbal. Um, he talks to everybody. And so COVID's kind of been rough because he doesn't understand why people can't just chat and hang out. And he thinks nothing of a mask if we're in public. He's still wearing it. He's still screaming to everybody. And so, you know, at, at the time, I remember him just saying hello and saying hi to that woman. Um, and he, he just had no idea. And I can't think of a time that it's happened recently. Um, but I know that it's a conversation that's going to be coming up because he is in be getting very inquisitive about color and why people are different colors. So um, it's definitely going to be something that we have to talk about more often because again, as a mixed race kid, you come out of the womb talking about race. Um, you, and as a adopted mixed race kid, I talked about it probably, I can literally say since I was two. So, um, you know, I, I, I try to do the same where I don't, blind him I just tell him straight up what what's going on so and I've done that with this story with him as well and as I'm bringing more people into his life now me and Ashley just got so excited earlier to just ask you questions all at the same time because we're so excited to talk about this topic but I was um also curious you know what was it like growing up with two white parents for you hmm that's such a loaded question because as an as an, an infant I didn't know any different so I know like you know you'll hear stories and you guys have obviously worked more than I have with kids that have these like really traumatizing things happen because they go into foster care etc and I don't I didn't know any other parents those are my parents no matter what I, I went from the home from the hospital at 13 days old straight into their arms so um you know you can feel it you can and I still something racist happened over the summer and my husband and I talked about how you always can feel it you can always feel that people are looking at you or um making comments etc but as a kid you just don't really care um and so there I guess uh as a teenager you get more defensive and I would get comments kind of like those aren't your real parents or well is that your real mom and I, one of the funniest stories that my dad and I talk about, just going back to that in ignorance is that my dad's in real estate. And when I say my dad, again, I'm talking about the, the father that I was raised by and adopted by. And he was showing a house, uh, showing our house to somebody as a possible floor plan. And the woman walked in and she looked at my picture and obviously was very confused. And she looked at my dad and my dad started saying in a sarcastic manner, he's very, very dry humor. Um, just my story and you know that he was just and my dad just comes from this place of gratitude for my biological parents and that he wouldn't have been parents he, they wouldn't have been parents if they hadn't been able to adopt so and they were picked so he starts talking about that and then the woman looks at him and says well does your wife know that amy was adopted so i don't know i think that story kind of summarizes what it's like because <laughs> i it's just i think it's blatant ignorance just constantly <gasps> Yeah. And my dad, 
is the type of person that he just started busting up laughing and get <laughs> control of the laughter. And to this day is just kind of one of those classic stories that were like, if you want to know how it goes, then let me just tell you about this because it's, it's just ridiculous. And it's, it's just sad because I grew up in Colorado and it's, you think that, you know, these areas of our country are not going to be that way. And they just are, it's just so ridiculous. So, and then obviously, yeah, yeah. I think, I think my mom knows. I can't imagine I know Amy's parents and they are amazing, amazing people, but I can only imagine her dad's reaction to that. Yeah. He is one of the most interesting people and funniest people. And I can only imagine how that went and down. As he gets older, he does not care if he insults people. So it's just getting worse and worse and worse as we go on. And, and it's great, you know, and he's still, well, he'll always have my back no matter what it is, even if I've done something absolutely terrible. So um, I think that's, you just, it's, it's a defensive thing that ends up happening. And then you just kind of start growing up and you just laugh about it. So, so as, as we kind of talk about that and your little boy is growing and you're talking about him getting more in tune with what's going on we lately in this country have been having some extremely serious conversations around race and, and things that are happening for your family. What is important that you um, instill in your, your son and what are things that you want others to know? Hmm. Oh gosh. I think everybody has to do this individually for how it works for their family. I don't think there's one right or wrong answer my husband and I have this conversation constantly, um, even in just the terms of the fact that like he was talked to and taught how to react if he ever got pulled over, things like that. Um, and I told him that I, that's one thing that I didn't really talk about, not necessarily because my parents were white, but because I always thought I was cute and could get myself out of it. So it wasn't really a race thing. And then what I'm realizing is, you know, uh, that, that I'm like, whoa, that was such a way to think back then. But that is exactly what I used to think. It's like, oh, I'm not worried about it. And for us, what makes sense is for us to just be very straightforward. And that if my son has an experience where he thinks that somebody has been mean to him or rude to him because of his skin color, that we say, yeah, it could be. And that's going to happen to you because this is our history. And I think just kind of going back to and so back to my ancestry, I have a lot, a lot of DNA in part of slavery DNA and um, as well as a little bit Caribbean. So I'm going to go on just a world tour one day once we're allowed. But um, and just kind of that's for us, we've been just talking about how that we can pull that in and just talk about the history of slavery and because both sides have it. And just even, you know, we can talk about the history of our European parts and just tie it all together and just make sure that he knows that it's not a negative thing. We're actually very lucky to have tan skin and because there's so many benefits to it. Um, and, you know, I'm so more than grateful that he is a boy because he will always be involved in sports. Um, he already has a major interest in sports. He's always around athletes already. Um, my husband's a coach, so he is around black people. And, you know, I'm not talking Mr. Riggs. I'm talking black kids, white kids, Hispanic, you know, whatever. He's around it all the time. He's around athletes and he's seeing successful people um, that are his color. So, um, you know, that, that really helps. 
Whereas maybe I didn't see that as much. And maybe even my husband didn't see it as much because he grew up in Kansas. So um, as my sister-in-law always jokes around that everybody's going to be mixed in 15 years anyway. So we just need to get over it. That's not a bad statement to make. I mean, I think it's pretty realistic. And we sit here with Dr. Amy, me and Ashley, we are both white, Caucasian, you know, we, we identify with that. And I think these conversations, we promised on this podcast to keep it really real. And this is a really real conversation. Me and Ashley, I'm sure are learning new things every time that we talk. I'm not, I am sure because I can confirm that every time I talk to Amy about these tough conversations, we learn something on how to be better and how to raise our kids better to do better when you know better you do better you know you're giving me a lot of credit because I question mothering just about 24 7 but um especially this weekend with the mountain <laughs> uh after birthday after his fifth birthday but you know I I just I think in this situation we can only do the best we can and you know not just because of my profession but we have to teach I have to I, I tell my son all the time that like he will make comments and whatever and he he's starting to be sarcastic surprise surprise and I'll tell him that I don't care what that person looks like if, are they a good person or are they not and kind of the anti-racist thing bringing that up and that even recently my dad said something like well I don't see color because I was I raised you and I said but you do see color because you raised me and I and he said okay okay you're right and just having and just really having my son understand what that means and that we embrace people's colors and their differences because that's what makes them really, really cool. And now if they're a jerk, then I don't care what color they are, then we're not, we're not going to be involved with them anyways. So just that's it. End of story. But again, just kind of just, I have to, we have to be just so straightforward with him because of the type of kid that he is. And so uh, we, I just, I encourage that if your if they can your kid can handle that then that's what you got to do. So I really like that statement. I have two kids which Dr. Amy and I have not talked about yet. I have a 5-year-old oh, I, <laughs> I have a 5-year-old. Oh yeah, cuz you've listened. I have 5-year-old little girl and a 2-year-old little boy and my husband and I kind of grapple with the idea of like how do we make them the best humans possible and that includes acknowledging race and and understanding what is happening in the world and because we're both white I'm sure we're going to make mistakes with that because we're not seeing it from every angle we haven't lived that life we haven't had those experiences but how how do we make sure that they're not assholes number one and how and how because they very well could turn out that way I feel like it's oh, always clear all assholes right now <laughs> I know, right? I just want to make sure that they're not the person who makes your son feel less than because of the color of his skin, um, but also not ignore the color of his skin and pretend as though it's not an issue. Um, because it is hair. We, I'm going to go back to the hair thing because it's such a big thing in that there's already comments happening in the, where he's very self, not self-conscious, but conscientious of what his hair looks like. And my goodness, he was bald till he was darn near three. So it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm just happy it grew in, buddy, you know? So, sure. but other kids might get confused about it. And that, why is it ringlets? Why does your mom look like this, et cetera? And yeah, it's just, and you know, I think 
if your kids were around, it's kind of that thing where my kid's going to just be just as much as an asshole and say something ridiculous to yours as, as, as yours could to mine. But, you know, um, again, just like he has to realize that he is going to get that more often than his cousin who is white. So, yeah. Sure. So Amy, with him getting older and me and you have talked about this, that it's been a journey to, to kind of find your identity or dig a little bit deeper into your identity. And really motherhood was a big trigger for. Yeah. And a subconscious trigger, um, which I can let you explain it more because you've done more, way more research. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like something triggered in my mind and I couldn't really identify it, but I kept thinking as I became a mom that, and especially as he got older and that I kept thinking, gosh, if I was my bio mom, I would just wonder so much where my kid ended up. Um, and because she was so, so young, um, and it, it just, it got to me. And so what happened was in usual fashion, uh, my family was sitting around, at Christmas about um, two coming up on two years ago. And my husband had actually got fired because that's what happens in college football all the time. He got, had his first firing as we call it. And so we were all kind of like not in a, the greatest emotional place, but we were doing well enough. And we went and spent a lot of time at my parents' house, like weeks. And we, we haven't get, ha, had the chance to do that in our entire marriage to where we don't have unsolicited, unsolicited time with our family. And I, uh, I said something about this ancestry testing and, ancestry testing for like maybe you guys and I don't know but is like okay cool I'll take this test it's not a big deal because you know who your biology was your whole life but for me it was like uh I had to think about this for years if I really wanted to know that because part of me actually liked the mystery a little bit but then whatever it was you know motherhood your biological clock whatever it is clicks and you're like I don't know about this so I was mentioning this because there was there's a sale at Christmas for the ancestry testing and my mom said well you know what I'll just go get, give you your entire adoption file goes downstairs passes me this manila envelope and I'm just sitting there like uh okay what do I do with this and this is kind of that part where it's a lifetime story because it's kind of sweet but in there and I know I shouldn't have had it um I did have a letter from my biological mom she wrote it um she did pick out my parents that was really cool um, and so, you know, she kind of vetted him out. It was kind of cool to see that like my dad being in a serious note, cause he's so not serious. And also there was like a lot of things that were maybe not so true on there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that he was a, um, religious entrepreneur at the time. And I, he was, he's more like, he's like, I, okay, I should have said an unemployed spiritual, spiritual dude or something like that. <laughs> but, um, the, well, the cool thing that was in there is that I actually had the card with my, biological mother's full name first and last last name on it and it was a closed adoption and it was the card from my NICU um, incubator and so you know I don't we still we've hashed this out a million times me my mom my bee mama um, we've hashed it out a million million times and I don't know how that ended up in my chart but I shouldn't have had it so it was kind of at that point I kind of felt like it was meant to be and I needed to reach out to her and she's she's super cool. I mean, she, she'd get on here if I asked her, but, um, she, I reached out to her via social media and it was a slow process. I'm not going to lie, but you know, so what hap started happening then is that 
I realized that the story that I had told for however many years, 33 at the time, however, that story was changing because my story used to be, I'm adopted. I don't know anything. And now it was, I'm adopted. Here's what I know. And here's what's happening. But then it didn't have a clean cutoff. And so it led into more conversation that kind of can be traumatizing a little bit. And so um, I know Jean is a big supporter and I am too, but just of like therapists need to go to therapy. And so I kind of started seeking out a certain type of therapist at that point and not to go to all the time, but just to kind of go through and talk about what in the world does this mean? Just because I have this information at hand. And so I, in some people don't like this, but I still go back to this term and that I felt like I was rewriting my story and rewriting parts of my life that I hadn't before. And, you know, and, and that's, and I also felt a lot of grief and uh, identified with that. And that was something I didn't expect at all. Um, in terms of, I really felt like something died and nothing died. Nobody died. They're all still very alive and well, but, um, and that still comes back here and there. And, um, but I mean, it's a lot better than it was a couple years ago, but I don't encourage anybody who's like 17 or 18 to go do this. Cause you have to be very, very confident with what could happen by going down this road. I was going to ask you if you felt like you went through a grieving process as you're like, quote, rewriting your story. I, you're in listening to this. I, I was curious if you were grieving, um, the end of the life that you always knew because now it's changing moving forward, but then also experiencing like through motherhood, um, those ideas around, that love that you probably had for your son when you had him. Yeah. And how everyone looks at adoption slightly differently. Some look at adoption as I love my kids so much and I know that I can't provide for them what I want. So because I love them, I'm going to let them go. And others look at adoption as I was not loved, which is why my parents didn't keep me. And I'm guessing on that because I'm not adoption and I'm not adopted and I didn't live that life. So I was curious if some of that grief came in as well um, through the motherhood processing in grieving that choice, I think is what I'm trying to say. It's hard. You know, Ashley, I'm not sure if I'm even there yet. I'm not sure what I was grieving. I know one grief feeling that I had was I was grieving a loss of time um, because I was well into my thirties. I was grieving the fact that and sometimes I go through this now because I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done this sooner. But at the same time, everything happens for a reason yep. and that there's a reason I shouldn't have done it sooner. And so uh, that was, a, that was a common one for a little bit and just, of just like, I've lost so much time. And then I, I don't know. I, I just think, again, it's a process. That's another ignorant thing that I didn't realize is that I, I think you just don't know what to expect but you, I didn't expect it to be this huge drawn out process. And I figured, I thought I would be going through feelings a lot quicker, et cetera. Whereas again, you know, if I get like COVID started and I started kind of having these, these mixed feelings about it, about the whole thing again, and I can't really identify those quite yet. And I think that is because it was, it's probably because it happened to me as a baby. And so I don't know what it means necessarily. And those, there's a couple books and resources that are out there that aren't for everybody. I don't encourage it for everybody. 
Um, some of them can hit home, but there's at least a couple points in those books. And one of them is called Coming Home to Self that I started reading. And it has a lot of points about that. And so it kind of normalized it and just kind of tells you that, okay, you may, you may figure this out in your sleep at 3 a.m. or you may never figure this out. And that, um, but and you have to be okay with that. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what those thoughts of grief are, but um, it'll, they're, they, they feel very similar to death for sure that somebody has died. Yeah. Jeannie, me and you have had some like really in-depth conversations about this and the subconscious trauma that mm -hmm. comes with something like this. We've talked on this podcast briefly about you know, trauma looks different for everybody and it's really a stigma that it's like a car accident or a, a death or something, something big like that. Not to say that adoption isn't a big thing, but me and you have often talked about you had, you grew up with great parents, you knew nothing different. They were loving, caring, gave you a great life. Yeah. Um, but as things are triggered, that subconscious trauma comes up and one thing that's really interesting that a lot of people don't know is trauma can occur even in your utero. Like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of research in the past along trauma too, um, just, just out of interest, but then also because of the situation to kind of maybe understand that if that's something. And, you know, I think, you know, the problem too is that we say trauma. Mm -hmm. And people who don't study this every day, like you, because I don't even study it every day, think that trauma means, and I put trauma and adoption together, it's two stigma, it's very stigmatized words. And people think, oh my gosh, it's so bad. All of it is so bad. Something terrible happened, you know, and that's why you're here. And nothing terrible happened. That's the thing. The terrible thing that happened is that I was 33 weeks and put in an incubator and then my, my bee mama was treated a certain way and maybe wasn't allowed to see me as often and I probably don't like hugging because of that, but, you know, and, but there's a lot of that to that story that because I was an infant in that, um, you know, my body probably remembers some things and, but yet I don't, I can't identify them because you don't have the emotions and you don't have the understanding of it until later. And so, you know, yeah, again, I, that's where that whole, I may never know what those feelings are. And you have to be okay with not necessarily having an endpoint on that. And, you know, I, I appreciate that you guys are doing this because the problem with this is that it's both of these things, mental health, trauma, um, adoption are so stigmatized and have such a negative annotation to them that nobody talks about them in a real way. And so like, I, I'm, I'm going through this and I can't find a stinking blog or something to refer to like I do for everything else in my life, an Instagram page, like nothing. And so you're just kind of left blind. And that's the problem is that then you think it's wrong because it, there's nothing out there. There's no resources. Mm -hmm. And you that's talk shocking so to me. Much. I know. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are there really outdated resources? And, you know, and like I had to dig and like, there's like an adoption group on Facebook, but like, you know, again, right. it's like, there's hundreds and thousands of people in there and you're looking for like somebody who identifies with you. So. Sure. Yeah. As human beings, we look for community. We are, we are herded. We are, that is a natural biological need to have community, to have relationship. And when you are battling with what community that you belong to or belong within or relate to, 
that again I bring up is a sense of trauma. Yeah, it uh, is. And we kind of go back to the stories that I've shared with you guys that until recently, I didn't really see them as traumatizing stories, but they are. And so, you know, and I get, I get to, I can get on a soapbox about comparative grief as well, because I don't know why we compare grief and trauma and because we don't, we can't relate unless we're going through it. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah. If it doesn't apply to us, it's, yep. it's not in our, our wheelhouse to care about it. Sadly, how society yeah. sticks to things. Exactly. Yeah. That could be a whole nother episode. Like I just, my juices started going on that. I'm not going to go there today, but I could go there. (laughs) It would be, you know, but again, that's a great subject that people don't know a lot about because, and there isn't, I mean, there's research, but there's not, you know, in that specifics because it's so opinionated and biased of research. So, you know, it's just like, you just don't know where to turn too for besides the people that study it every day by experience like like you guys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so amy with identity and figuring out who you are if somebody listening right now is going through something similar maybe not with adoption but just kind of figuring out who they are and where they fit in and where their comfort is what advice would you give them what do you Get think um find a minute for that one get in where you fit in you know i just think you have to be very self-aware um i encourage people to go not seek out more people in their life but you need to seek out professionals you need to seek out the types of people that know exactly what to do with this because um it can be so isolating and you can feel so alone but yet again there's so many every time i tell my story like the specifics of it somebody like Ashley did, um, you know, like they say, oh, well, I had a cousin and a friend and they went through this and, you know, oh no, I found out that I had a brother or a sister as well. And it's like, there's, the story is so common and there is somebody out there that understands that. So I think, you know, that people just, there's always this thing where people will tell me like, but you've had such a privileged and good life. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I understand that, but that doesn't mean that I have all the answers and that I'm, that it's okay. There's still going to be these, these things. And so, you know, and it's kind of going back to the race thing as well. I, I think it's so important right now that people have kind of that outlet. And I mean, going to therapy is just probably at an all time high. No, it is at an all time high as we all know. And I don't, I don't know if there's any other way besides to have that kind of centralized, but yet non-biased help at these, at these times, if you need it, you know, I don't, I don't go to therapy that often, but every once in a while I'll have like a a meltdown, usually caused by, you know, something that has happened at my home, at at home, like in terms of like, you know, big things, like if my husband didn't do the dishes or something like that. (laughs) But, um, love you so much, love, but, um, you know, but, and then I'll call and it's, it's just good to have somebody established so that, you can go and talk to them and you don't have to retell your story over and over and over. Cause that can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And thank you for normalizing, keeping it real, real, just like we always say, you know, we're, therapists go to therapy. We have to take care of our mental health, just like we take care of our physical health. And just, just this week, actually, I had another conversation with my grocery clerk interestingly enough and we were standing there waiting for the the uh cash cash register to come back online and she asked me what I did and 
she looked at me like, why the heck would you ever want to do what you did? And you talked about her, a little bit about her life, which is so interesting. Us as therapists know that people always tell us their stories and I love hearing their stories, but I asked her if she had ever talked to anybody about um, a lot of grief that she was going through. And she was like, there is no way in heck I'm ever going to tell somebody these stories because I don't want people to know that I have to go to therapy. Mm. And, it, and it broke my heart um, that she, she could even say that to me as, and I'm sitting here as a therapist um, telling her that I'm a therapist. So thank you for normalizing that from another aspect, not just as somebody that's biased, but somebody that really I don't have to go this week because I already spent an hour talking about myself. So thank you. <laughs> so I, I, we are, um, our next episode that we do is going to be more on like the stigma of mental health and going to therapy, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there for people. Um, this little nugget, but mo I'm going to say most, cause I don't use all encompassing language, but most therapists find it a privilege to hear their client's story. Like just hearing Dr. Amy today, we're not, we're now fast friends, um, but she and Gina have a long relationship. It is an outright privilege to hear her story. And so when clients come in, obviously we get paid for our work, but to have somebody trust you with your innermost thoughts that you wouldn't tell somebody else is a true honor um, for us. And I, I kind of wonder if that should come out more um, because I think oftentimes the picture that people paint of a therapist is somebody who's sitting in their chair quietly taking notes and offering some sort of judgment um, internally on their notepad. And you're always wondering what that person's thinking or what they must be thinking of you. And that is not at all what that is. I mean, I'm sure that there may be some sessions out there like that. Um, none of the people that I surround myself with provide therapy that way. <laughs> um, well, but I really point too, Ashley, because like just kind of going back to the race thing, that's part of the reason I even started doing this profession is because more often than not, people come up to me and say, "Well, I thought it was such a bad thing until," and then they start telling you your story. But you're like, they're like, "Well, I shared with you because you just seemed a lot like me." or whatever. And instead of that stigma that comes along with, um, with the note taking and sitting in a chair and they're laying on their couch. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. I wish that, I wish that there were advertisements about therapy instead of advertisements about drugs. I wish that there, but I have, I mean, drugs will be a whole nother episode that we do. And I don't always have the same opinion that other people have, but <laughs> I wish there were more, um, commercials about going to therapy. Um, I wish there were more radio spots about going to therapy. I wish people would interview therapists more um, because it's such a confidential job. I feel like they're kind of left out of the mix, whereas like you would get a doctor as an expert, um, but oftentimes like a medical doctor, I always have to <laughs> throw that in there. Um, but I mean, I, I'm very honored to sit with these two doctors right here and just hear their knowledge. I love you. I wish people could see Gina's face when you bring up the word trauma. She lights up like a kid in a candy store. Um, yeah, yeah. We should just I wish these things. whole dissertation on here is a whole podcast. Yeah, I know. Pumped up, you know. <laughs> I know. I just wish that we would talk about therapy the way that we talk about things that 
harm us more, you know, um, I, more therapy commercials, less fast food commercials. I think that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Sounds like you're going to go get your doctorate too, Ashley. I'm not. No, I, very I innovative. it's very, innovative. <laughs> we love our innovative ideas. So Dr. Amy, I know. whatever professor listens to this hashtag Dr. Rank is going to be just like, so proud. I know. <laughs> Dr. Rank, he's, he's getting this podcast. He got us through our, our USC doctorate for sure. But so Amy, we appreciate you so much for sitting I with us tonight. You guys. Thank you for bringing this up and allowing me to be on here. Yeah. Thank you for your vulnerability and your strength and just being willing to have conversations that, you know, we, we don't have, we don't have enough. So thank you for being willing to do that. And this has been Mental Health Uncorked, and we will see you all next time. Be good to yourself.